Welcome back for a... You've already messed this up. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back for episode six of Unsolved Cases and Suspicious Faces. That's Jackie. Hello. And I am Izzy. And we're here to tell you some unsolved cases, some mysteries, if you will, to uh, to get some exposure and to get it out in the world. So that way people are more aware, more knowledgeable about these cases. I personally really like what we're doing. What do you think? I mean, I think it's a great cause. That's why I wanted to do this to begin with. I agree. I think it is a great cause. And I think that it's important to remember the victims rather than the killer. And this is the perfect way to do that. Yes. So I think that after the Columbine shooting and other school shootings, just as an example, people saw the infamy, the notoriety that those shooters got. And they were like, I want that kind of fame, right? I want to be known for something. And so they were like, if I do that and I go down like that, then I'll be remembered. Right. And it's it's been happening with serial killers, too. We've had a few cases of serial killers where they've been like, I want to be known as the, I don't want to say greatest serial killer ever, but most prolific serial killer, I think, is a term that's used a lot. Yeah, a lot of times with serial killers especially, especially ones that contact the police, it's about notoriety and fame. It's about getting credit. And I believe in all of that and the fascination that we as humans just naturally have for things like this is I think the victims get lost a little bit. And I know why this happens. I studied this in my you know, college classes, especially in English. Humans like trouble. Humans like to have um, in our stories, in our dreams, everything like that. We like there to be dire situations. So when we hear about dire situations in real life, most of us are instantly attracted to it and we want to know all about it. And we want to know about the person that is different than us that's causing this kind of trouble. And with that, the people that should be focused on the victims kind of get lost. Yeah, it's kind of sad to think about. It is, but it's important to think about. I agree. That's why I'm here. I thought you were here because you uh you like to talk to me, but No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No. I mean, that's fair. That's more than fair. So, you got anything going on? Any cool new video games you want to talk about? Actually, I started playing Eve again. So, what is Eve? Refresh my memory. It's like a online kind of spaceship game, I would say. It's free to play, actually, but you learn different technology and stuff so you could make better spaceships. They so can fight people better and mine ore better and all this stuff. That does seem really good. And right after we're done, I'm going to go ahead and uh, <laughs> and listen to that. It's a lot. Play it, you mean? Yeah, that's what I meant. I'm, I'm sorry. It's a lot of fun. The best part is that I can do it while I cross-stitch. I was going to say, if you're going to tell me that you do it while you record, I'm going to reach through this computer and pop you. Why can you tell? (laughs) Jackie, I'm going to need you to hold still so I can reach through this computer (laughs) and pop you. It's funny, okay? Sure. Uh, So I've been playing a game too, a game you have no interest in. Can you guess what it is? There's a lot of games. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Call of Duty. Call of Duty. So I never I thought. No, I know. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Real fast. Do you want to know why I know? Why? Because one day I was like, hey, Izzy, when do you want to record? And you were like, uh, in a couple hours, I have to research my case more first. And I was like, okay. And I guess you don't <laughs> know this because on Discord. <laughs> no, I know. Something. <laughs> underneath your name is a little thing of what game you're playing so you're like no i still need to research my case in a couple hours and i was like okay and then <laughs> a little thing popped up under your name saying playing call of duty <laughs> and we're friends on battle.net so you see when i'm online anyway <laughs> yep okay listen it's a lot of fun <laughs> 
<laughs> I didn't think I would like it just because I never thought I was good at it. And I'm not good at it. But it's really fun. I really like playing their free-to-play Warzone one. And I actually think you'd like it too. I'm not going to play that. Just play one game with me. One. No. That's all I'm at. Okay. Everyone, if you think Jackie should try this video game and and remove the stick from her butt, send us an email. Uh, you know. <laughs> what? I don't bow to societal pressure. Liar. Okay. Anyway, everyone, let's take a poll on Patreon. I will start. <laughs> I will start a poll. So, wow. <laughs> shameless <Wow>. plug. <laughs> Listen, that was dumb. You're dumb. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. Yes, I did. Anyway, that was rude. would I you cried like? A little bit. Did you? Because I couldn't hear the tears. I'm going to need you to cry a little louder. Mm, no. Okay. Are you okay. ready to hear? Actually, yes. Are you ready to hear about a murder? Is it? Is it a sad murder? Am I going to cry? This one's actually really sad. Oh, okay. I know. I know. I'm going to ruin your next, like... 20 minutes. Uh, okay, I'm ready. Let's hear it. Okay. I'm sorry if you can hear my dog chewing her bone in the background. <laughs> Don't First of all, I would rather listen to that all day than what you're about to tell me. Second, no. I'd rather listen to that than your voice. So. <laughs> That's not very nice. I'm not nice. After everything I've done for you. What have you done for me? Anyway, I'm going to tell you the story of the murders of Cary Graham and Francine Trimble. Cary Graham and Francine Trimble. Okay. I don't think I've heard this one before, so I'm really excited. Okay. Uh, but I feel like I shouldn't be, and I feel like it's going to ruin my day a little bit, but that's okay. It needs to be told. Yes. Obviously, it's unsolved since I'm talking about it, which is part of the reason why it's still so sad to me. It's sad anyway just because of what happened to them, but the fact that it's unsolved still is also sad because this happened in December of 1978. Oh, wow. Yeah, I took a page out of your book and went, I did kind of an old school one. Uh, first of all, old school's like 1901. <laughs> So, Secondly, I think you're going to offend some people out there. I don't think so. Do you know how many years ago 1978 was? I feel like we shouldn't talk about this because I think the answer is like 20, Mom. Love you. <laughs> right. Um, so Carrie was 15 and Francine was only 14. They lived in Forestville, California. So they lived next door to each other. And they were best friends. Aw. Besties. They went, it was, it is sweet. They met in elementary school and they grew up together right next door. It's. I wouldn't know what that's like. <laughs> I don't think that's I. That's because we were best friends. Yeah. And we were in each other's house. Perfect. Right. Best friends. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. Uh -huh. Uh-huh. So it's December 16th, 1978, and Carrie leaves her house and tells her mother she's going to go to Francine's house next door. They were going to go shopping for Christmas gifts because it's December. Aww. And she leaves the house. Um, and neither family heard from their daughters ever again. Not aw. Yeah. That's sad. It's really sad. And it gets more sad. Uh, okay, I'm ready. Okay, so Francine's mom reports her missing within that first day. So she kind of immediately knows that there's something not right. Um, Carrie Graham was reported missing about two weeks later on Christmas Eve. So both of the families tell the police that they think something wrong had happened. 
that something was wrong. Yeah, because it doesn't sound like they would have just run away. It doesn't sound like they were the type to do that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, props for the family to be instantly like, no, I know my kids. Right, exactly. Especially because one of the girls actually had run away a couple times before. Oh. So, yeah. So, I think that's what made it harder for them, for the yeah. family to initially come forward and be like, hey, you know, I don't think this is another time that she ran away. This is real. Did she like run away, run away? Or did she do that little kid thing where she little quote unquote, kid ran away little to the neighbor's thing. house? Okay. Right. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> so the parents think immediately, they think they're pretty sure that the girls never really left left Francine's house. They think that they were kidnapped from the home, but the police say there's no signs of a disturbance in the house, and makeup was out in Francine's room, so they think maybe they like got ready together and stuff and then left. But neither girl took any personal possessions like like their little purses and stuff from the house. Which, which you think they odd. need. Yeah, you think they right. need that for Christmas shopping. Okay, so it is Carrie Graham that had previously run away from her home, and she's also the one whose family reported her missing two weeks after the other one. Oh, gotcha. Which is, yeah, which is why I think the family took a little bit more time to report her missing because she had run away before. And the that police thought sense. maybe at first Carrie had talked Francine into going with her this time. Like maybe Francine had been talking about how like something was going on at home and she was upset or frustrated with her parents. So police were kicking that idea around for a little bit. But I think they eventually ruled it out on their own the yeah. longer they were missing. I mean, that because- does seem reasonable to me because... I mean, how often is it, you know, being a teenager, you, you're already hyped up emotionally due to hormone changes and no one understands you. You're not a child yet. You're not an adult. Of course it would be, it could be understandable to think, well, maybe she thought something was going on at home or that she couldn't stand there, stay there anymore because I mean, every teenager has that thought. Right. But props to them for ruling it out and not just continuing to go with that until it was too late. Yeah, I think that's pretty pretty common is once it's been a certain amount of time, they're like runaways come home after a certain amount of time if they can, right? So after it had been a little bit, the police were like, no, this is really serious. We have to look at other things. Also, we already talked about how nothing was amiss in Francine's house, but Carrie had actually had her appendix taken out shortly before the disappearance. Right. Okay. She was still kind of recovering from the procedure, so she couldn't move around really as well as normal. But she also had a prescription for antibiotics, and they left them behind. Yeah, that doesn't scream runaway to me. Right. But... She's also a a teenager that doesn't, might not understand fully how important antibiotics are. Right. So, again, it's one of those things like, uh, who knows, right? Police decided throughout their investigation that Carrie Graham did make it to Francine's house. Obviously, no other member of Francine's family was at the house. The two girls were together when they disappeared later that day. Okay. The most likely explanation, like we talked about, was that they had ran away, but they couldn't say the families were wrong when they thought that they had been taken from Francine's house. Because there were no signs of a struggle, that means the two girls knew their abductor, their kidnapper, or... They had been taken from the house while they were being threatened, like with a knife or a gun or something. And the next thing we hear about 
is two tourists are traveling to Fort Bragg, California on July 8th, 1979. They get into a little argument in the car and they get so heated that they stop the car on the side of the road and they get out of the car and walk into the woods a little bit to cool off. So mad that you just got to take a break and stop I mean, driving. I've pulled off on the side of the road before. I don't know if I've been mad enough while I'm driving to get out well, of my car on the side of the road. Do you remember that one time we were driving and the, I think it was the Envoy and you were driving and a spider crawled across your leg and we both got out of the car and freaked yep. the fuck out? <laughs> Yeah, I remember I cried, and then I cried the rest of the way. I think we are going to the Miller's house, weren't we? Yeah, and we, like, <laughs> wrapped our legs in, like, jackets and stuff just in case because we couldn't stand it. I don't know why them. you did. I was driving. <laughs> because I had, I was freaked out, too. I also hate spiders. Yeah. But it was a you had big to watch spider. My, you had to watch my legs the rest of the way. It was, it well, was like, you the cried. I cried. I don't know how we made it. I don't know how we made it either. We got out and we lost the spider in the car. And yep. it freaks me out. I think about it every time I go on like a long trip. <laughs> this is great to bring up right before I go on a long trip. Don't <laughs> worry. Thursday. Don't worry. You're fine. It'll be fine. I'm going to cry the entire eight hour car ride now. I'm thinking about it. Do you have Bluetooth? Call me. I'll look at your legs for you. Just like FaceTime me and point the phone at your legs. I'll watch. Great. I'm going to like cross my feet on the seat and just drive with my hands and freeze control. That's a terrible idea. (laughs) That's why they made cruise control, right? (laughs) They made cruise control because the person that invented it was so scared of a spider crawling on his leg. He wanted to be able to sit crisscross applesauce while driving. (laughs) (laughs) Jackie, holy shit. Did you invent cruise control? Maybe. Maybe I should have. (laughs) I'd never drive again. I'd get valeted everywhere. Yeah. Holy cow. Okay, back to the story. The person who got out of the car found a human skull in the forest. So. Pause. No, thank you. First of all, you're already fighting with a spider. You're scared. (laughs) You're in the forest and then you find a skull? No. Yeah. Absolutely not. Quite a day. And it was before cell phones. So to mark the location, they put a can of soda on the side of the road where the body, where the skull was at, that they found. And they left to go get the police and drove the police back to where they found the body. Oh, could you? All right. This is kind of messed up. Could you imagine if someone's driving along and was like, oh, hey, a soda. No. I'm kind of thirsty. <laughs> that. Yeah, no, that wouldn't have been great. No. I'm sure they would have found it eventually, but... I mean, that brings up an interesting point. Like, I think cell phones started becoming popular when we were, like, in elementary school. So we've never had to live without that. Like, if we found a skull in the forest, we would just have to, like, figure it out. We could call 911 right from the skull. We wouldn't have to try to mark our location or anything, so... I mean, I guess you got to mark it how you can. Yeah. I just thought that was interesting. Interesting is an understatement. <laughs> the police department really searches that area all over. They found um, pretty much most of the bodies with the skeletons. Um They'd both been bound with duct tape and put in a plastic before they were buried in a shallow grave. No, 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 thank you. These poor babies. Right. And I said that they had to search the area and it's because with shallow graves, animals can get to them. Mm, No. Okay. All right. Yeah. Oh. I'm going to move on from that. But that's why the police determined that they were murdered elsewhere and then they were buried there 
probably after the sun went down to conceal what they were doing. They had no clothing, and the only thing that they could use to identify the bodies maybe was a single earring. Oh. In the shape of a bird. Yes. They only got about 90% of the victims' bones, too, and the FBI had to help them find them all. Oh, no. So based on the bodies, I already kind of gave you the background, so you know who it is. But they found them to be about 14 years old, probably Caucasian. And they said they had probably been murdered on or about December 8th, which is pretty accurate, actually. But the coroner wasn't able to tell if they were male or female. So they had to send them the bones to a bunch of different experts and everything. And sadly, the forensic pathologist says, I don't know what you're saying no for, but said one was male and one was female. So it's not even, okay. And that's probably because the length of hair for one of them was, I would describe it as kind of a pixie cut. You know, like oh, the shorter, okay. like the shorter hair that was, you know, like uh, kind of like mom's hair was the shorter. Yeah, no, pixie cuts, right? Okay, yeah, pretty much a pixie cut. I think that's kind of one of the reasons why I got more confused because of the misidentification, though. It took them many years. That's to... why I was saying no. Yes. Yep. It, they actually didn't get identified until 2015. Yeah, this one's not super happy. Other things that they said the actual cause of their death could not be determined because it had been so long. It was like six months later that they found the bodies. Oh. Um, the only thing they were able to say is that they can't exclude the possibility that they had been strangled. So they think maybe that's how they died. But they can't prove it because of how long it how long Because it, it was it was skeletal remains at that point. So there's not like tissue or anything where you could see see bruising or something. Right. It was just Right. That's sad. The wrong information about the male and female remains were put into the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children database. Mm-hmm. And they had been in there for many years, but because of obviously the sex thing, they couldn't identify them. But there was also something that didn't help. Some of the missing persons reports that came out after said that they disappeared on the 24th of December because that's when Carrie was reported missing by her mother, the one that was reported two weeks later. Oh, no. So they didn't... So oh, they, okay. said, they said that they went missing the 24th where the coroner was like, these people probably died on the 8th of December. So they were never even looked at as possibly being these two for... Mm -hmm. A very long time. That's why it took until 2015. That's so sad. Still an open and an active case. It's not even a cold case. In the year 2000, a guy in in a New Jersey prison confessed to the murders, but the police determined it to be a false confession. They think the inmate read a news story about the disappearance and... (laughs) said that he killed it because sometimes if people are in prison for life or something, they confess to other crimes. What they do, what's been done before, is they're like, I'll give you more details about it if you give me this. So like whether it's like money or a different prison or whatever they want, they think that it'll help their case or something. This guy would have been 12 years old at the time of the murders, and this guy had never even left New Jersey, and the murders took place in California. Yeah, the police caught on to that one pretty fast. Investigators are eager to learn more details surrounding the girls' deaths, 
Right now, it's unknown if they had started hitchhiking to the mall and never reached their destination, or if they were taken from Francine's house, which the families thought. And then a different friend says that on the date of their disappearance, she had seen them hitchhiking near a Chevron Inn forest and where they lived. But none of that's obviously confirmed, so who knows. Uh, Other suspicious faces are several serial killers who were active in that area at the time, which would probably surprise a lot of people how many there were. Um, In the late 70s, early 80s in California. (laughs) Oh, that. No, thank you. A lot. Yes, a lot. Even the Golden State Killer, I think, was active all through there at that time. Probably. Yep. And they have all been identified as potential persons of interest in this case. Again, nothing has been really confirmed. So. Well, that was. That's all the information I have about it. Yeah, but. That was sad. And I really hope that we can find closure for these victims, especially since it just seems a little convoluted when it started. And there's a lot of. uh, a lot of ways that evidence wasn't able to be collected and that things went missing. Yeah, it's it's just sad how these things just uh, one thing goes wrong, which makes another thing go wrong, which it's just the whole process. Yeah. everyone, it's Izzy here. And if you didn't know, I'm the one of us that's responsible for editing and uploading our podcast. And I just wanted to let you know about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. And just to clarify, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. I like to use it because for me, it just makes everything so simple and easy. And it is the best program that I have found to help upload and find sponsorships. And it automatically distributes it for me. There is literally nothing that I have to do in order to get my podcast onto all of the listening sites. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You can record it right from the app, right from your phone, anywhere. It's convenient, it's easy, and best of all, it's free. So the story that I've researched is called... Uh, well, it's not called anything. It's just on Ireland's Vanishing Triangle. Have you heard of this? No. Okay, so I'm going to direct... I'm not good with geography, so... <laughs> well, you don't have to be. If I'm going to go ahead and draw your attention to the Discord chat, and I'm going to have you look at that picture I just posted. And I'll okay. post this on our social media. So, this, this is... This looks like geography. <laughs> well, geometry, maybe. So it's a map. It is a map, but it's got a shape on it. Oh my god. <laughs> so this is Ireland's vanishing triangle. And the reason they call it that is because several young women have gone missing and have disappeared from this area. And I just kind of want to give a breakdown of what this all means. So the vanishing triangle disappearances case I'm sorry, the Vanishing Triangle disappearance cases all share common characteristics. The women are, were all young, ranging from their late teens to their early 40s. They disappeared seemingly with no explanation and no substantial clues or evidence has ever been recovered. So they've grouped all of these disappearances together just based on the fact that they've literally got nothing else to go on. They have no... Th- they have some theories, but none that have can be, that have been proven or anything. Um, there's really no evidence of what can happened. Can I um, interject for a second? I'm sorry. I think this might amuse you, though. Um, 
I thought you were talking. I, when you said it was Ireland's vanishing triangle, uh -huh. I thought this was going to be a case of like land going. Down. <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't know. I saw the map and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> don't talk to me for 20 minutes about map <laughs> features. Okay. All right. Well, I'm sorry. That is amusing. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm dumb, okay? But the reality is much sadder. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, all of the disappearances occurred in an 80 mile area outside of Dublin that became known as the Vanishing Triangle, which is the map that I showed you. This area is in the eastern part of the island in the boundaries of Leinster, I think is how it's pronounced. Uh, yep. And several women have gone missing to date. So, as you can tell, they're women, not, not land masses that have gone missing. Right. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. I just wanted to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> because of the similarities of the... Disappearances, yes. Because of the similarities of the disappearances, the Irish police, which are known as Guardi, believe that these cases may be the result of one or more serial killers in the area during this period. Just because there is so little evidence with these, and they kind of kind of vanished along the same lines. I'll get into it, though. Um, they're not really sure if these are related, they're, but they're not sure if they're not either. Okay. The Irish police set up Operation Trace to focus on unsolved disappearances, but to date this hasn't turned up any evidence as to what happened to the victims. And there's a 10,000 euro reward offered for information resulting in the recovery of a body. So the Guardi believe that all of these women are most likely no longer alive. Okay. So, now I would like to kind of talk about the missing women themselves. And then I'll talk about the only theory that really can connect them. I'd just like everybody to keep in mind that there's no proof these are related. But there's no proof that they're, they aren't. And they are... I'm just going to reiterate one more time. They all vanished from around the same area under the same circumstances with really no evidence. As you'll see as I continue. So, are you ready? Yes. 26 you year piqued my interest. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, so, the landmass of Ireland went missing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> all of it. It was amazing. <laughs> 26-year-old Annie McCarrick went missing March 26, 1993. She was originally from New York City, but was currently living in Sandy Mount County, Dublin. It's, yeah, the way that I found it is that the city name is City Mount, and then instead of a state, it's just County Dublin. Does that make sense? Probably not, but I'm going to continue. Uh, um, yeah, you're talking geography to me again <laughs> i was just talked about this <laughs> listen i'm just trying to americanize it because we're not good at understanding other places so <laughs> the last confirmed sighting of her was at a post office in enniscary county wicklow there was an unconfirmed sighting of her outside johnny fox's pub in glen cullen um Glen Cullen, also in County Dublin. The doorman said, let's throw this whole podcast in the trash. <laughs> the, no, I like it. <laughs> the doorman said that she was with an unknown man. They allegedly left the lounge of Johnny Fox's pub and entered the cabaret room where the unknown man paid for both of them to enter. On Friday, March 26th, the day she disappeared, she didn't come into work to pick up her paycheck, which was unusual. And on Saturday, McCarrick had previously invited her friend, Hillary Brady, and his girlfriend, Rita Fortune, which is the coolest name I've ever heard, Rita Fortune, <laughs> to dinner at her apartment the following day. But when they arrived and McCarrick was not there, they contacted her parents in New York and she was reported missing. McCarrick's parents, John and Nancy, arrived in Ireland shortly after Annie was reported missing, 
but returned home after a six-month-long unsuccessful search. And that's all that's known about her disappearance. Wow. And that uh, the sighting that the doorman, the doorman, doorman, I don't know, said he saw is unconfirmed. So we don't know if that's part of it. If it's not part of it, it's just convoluted. I mean, there weren't video cameras or anything, so. Right. Um, so the next case is 39-year-old Eva Brennan went missing on July 25th, 1993. She was from Rathgar County, Dublin. She disappeared after leaving a family lunch at her parents' house in Rathgar. Her father went to her apartment because she had not been back to the family home in two days, which was highly unusual. He rang the doorbell. Then when she didn't answer, he went over to the horse and hound pub that the family owned and asked the barman to come over and help him break a window to get in. And this was the same year? Same year. Yes. It's, uh, it's four months later. Yeah. Okay. Um, the jacket that she had worn when she was last seen was there so she had to have gone back to her apartment the day she disappeared um there was no investigation that the family knew about about her disappearance for three months so the guardy didn't start um investigating for three months after she disappeared uh, uh do you know why um, because she was an adult, so I'm sure it was a, well, we don't know that this is foul play type situation. Okay. Eva's, yeah, I don't know. I couldn't really find any reasoning. And there could have been one, but the family didn't know about any investigation for three months. Eva's sister said that Eva would visit her parents' home every day for lunch and then return to her apartment. Eva rarely went out, so it's unknown where she disappeared from. The next victim was 22-year-old Imelda Keenan, and she went missing on January 3, 1994, from Waterford City, County Waterford. She had initially gone to stay with one of her brothers, but left after a short while and went to stay with her two other brothers and then returned home. So she was kind of traveling around the time she disappeared. Um, but at the time, she was living with her boyfriend, Mark Wall. Keenan told Wall that she was going to go to the post office and left the apartment at about 1.30 p.m. and walked down William Street onto Lombard Street. Okay. So not very far. But the last confirmed sighting of Keenan is when she was seen crossing the road by a local doctor's secretary who knew her very well. So she just left her apartment to walk to the post office, which is close by. Someone saw her cross the street and then no one ever saw her again. These sound like they're all taking place, like, very fast. Um, so far, it's been about a year and three months. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I meant, no. like, the actual, like, kidnapping, going missing, murders, whatever they are. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the first one happened on March 26, 1993. This one's in January 3rd. Nope, nope, nope. I mean, like, somebody's walking and... Oh, 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 I'm stupid. <laughs> Listen. I'm like, not a they smart man. Pull up in a car or something, and a minute later, they're like, I don't know where she went, you know? It's yeah. like that old, uh, you know, in old movies where the bus drives by and somebody's walking on the other side, and then the bus leaves and nobody's there. Yeah. No, no. They are happening, happening very fast. And unfortunately, we don't know if these women uh, were leaving with someone they knew, and that's why they don't know if they were just like picked up. And forced to go against their will, we really just don't know what happened. Um, so more than a year later, Josephine Jojo Dollard was 21 years old, and she went missing on November 8th of 1995. She was moving back home to Callan, but had missed the bus, so she had to take a bus to a different city that was about 111 kilometers or 69 miles away. She was hitchhiking to Callan and was last seen using a payphone. Through telephone records, authorities found out the call was made uh, at 11.37 p.m. to Dollard's friend, Mary Cullinan. Mary, her friend Mary. She, (laughs) (laughs) She ended the phone call as she was about to enter another car. The identity of the driver of the car has never been discovered, and she was never seen again. 
So as you can already tell, there's really no details about the disappearances. They're just all happening kind of one right after the other quickly. The next one is Fiona Pender. She was 25 years old and she went missing on August 23rd, 1996. She was seven months pregnant at the time of her disappearance. She was last seen leaving her apartment by her boyfriend, John Thompson. In 2008, a small wooden cross bearing the name Fiona Pender was found on this this sleeve, sleeve bloom way at the border between Laos and Offaly. I'm butchering all these names and I'm sorry. So but, do you think like the murderer put it there? Yes, because this led the authorities to believe that Fiona was buried in the Sleeve Bloom Mountains nearby. But they never found her body. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, her family said they didn't put it there. And it's an odd place to put a cross bearing her name. No, that's true. Um... So, 17-year-old Ciara Breen, Ciara Breen went missing on February 13th, 1997. She was last seen by her mother, Bernadette, who said that they had both gone to bed just after midnight. Around 2 in the morning, Bernadette went to the bathroom and discovered that Ciara was missing. Uh, but she discovered that her window was propped open, supposedly so Ciara could climb back in. So, she thinks that... She snuck out versus somebody came in and took her. Mm-hmm. In 2014, two credible witnesses came forward with sightings of Ciara from the night she disappeared, and a man was arrested in 2015, but was released wait, without... Wait, wait, that was how many years after, though? Um, like, at least... It what, was 17 10? years. <laughs> yeah. So... Why is there such a long delay? Well, it could be because they didn't know that the information that they had was relevant. Until they read like a story or an expose on it or something. And they were like, holy shit, I was there that night. So the guys didn't come forward at all? Well, it doesn't know if they were guys. It was just two credible witnesses. But they came forward in 2014. Well... I guess that's why we're doing, we're yeah, kind of doing this podcast, right? To and it and it could be like they were reading a story about it, and they're like, "I was actually at that bar that night, and I remember seeing a blonde walk in with this guy, or something like that." Um, because that's really cool, yeah. Not that it took almost twenty years, but that somebody came in with relevant information. I mean, that's the hope now, right? And I'm worried that Mm -hmm. a lot of people will be like, well, people are going to be mad at me or hate me because I didn't come forward right away and maybe be afraid to come forward now. And that's never what we want. Any information is good information. Uh, But the two credible witnesses, um, their testimony led to a man being arrested in 2015, but he was ultimately released without charge. So, the next victim was 19-year-old Fiona Sinnott, and she went missing on February 8th of 1998. So, this one I have some opinions on before we get into it. Okay. Uh, I don't want to accuse anybody, but I want to know what you think when we're done. All right. So, she was last seen leaving Butler's Pub in Broadway. She left the pub with her ex-boyfriend and father to her 11-month-old daughter, Sean Carroll. During his conversation with investigators, Carroll told him that he had walked her back to her house and that he had spent the night sleeping on her couch. Sinnott had been complaining of pains in her arms and upper body and had told Carroll that she was planning on going to the doctor's office that day. He gave her three euro and then left the house and got into a car with his mother, who was waiting for him outside. Sinnott was never seen again. During the investigation, it was discovered that she did not see the doctor that day. During the examination of her house, authorities noticed that it had been stripped of any personal items, such as clothes and paperwork, that a teenage girl and her 11-month-old daughter would have. So there were no pictures, there was no paperwork, there was nothing. 
Nothing that would suggest that somebody was actually living there. Later, locals would report that they had seen several black garbage bags outside of the property. And as news of the disappearances spread, a farmer came forward to report several black garbage bags were illegally dumped on his field. And he remembered coming across paperwork with the name Sinnott. But he had burned the bags as that was how he usually dealt with illegal dumpings on his property as they had happened pretty often. He didn't realize, of course, what was in them was important until afterwards. Um, at this point, investigators came to the conclusion that someone was trying to mislead them into believing Senate had run away. And on September 12, 2008, a memorial plaque for Senate was stolen from a cemetery. The plaque was marble and cemented into the wall. It was stolen the night before it was supposed to be unveiled. It was stolen? Yes. So that tells me it's someone that um, is close to the family that had yeah. a vendetta against her, maybe like her ex-boyfriend. But and I, I, I knew it was going to be getting set up. I don't think most people know about that stuff till after, right? Right. And it's just very interesting that someone harbored such hate against this this girl that they would steal her memorial plaque. Right. So nope, that seems a little extra. Extra, if you will. Not that I'm accusing anybody. <laughs> the last victim that's on this list is Deirdre Jacob. She was 18 years old and she went missing on July 28, 1998. She was home from St. Mary's University for the summer. She, this one kind of hits home for me because... Well, I'll just explain it. She went missing just yards from her parents' home as she was walking home from running errands. Passing drivers witnessed Jacob within, yard, within like, three yards. So that's, what, nine feet, ten feet? Yeah, that's right there. Of her parents' driveway, but she never made it home. She was right there. Bad. Yeah, no trace has ever been found, and she was never seen again. Can you imagine... Being so close to safety. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> but that was the that was the last disappearance on the Ireland's Vanishing Triangle list. There is a suspicious face, though. Oh, good. It is widely thought that at least some, if not all, of these victims were due to a possible serial killer. Authorities have often claimed that Larry Murphy is the main suspect in at least some of the cases. He was imprisoned in 2001, which is right when these stopped, for the rape and attempted murder of a Carlo businesswoman in 2000. Okay. Listen to how this stupid idiot got caught. Not that you need to be smarter or I'm trying to give advice, but... He was attempting to strangle the Carlo businesswoman in the woods at night when two hunters happened upon the scene and intervened, saving the woman's life. Wow, that's lucky. That is so fucking lucky, right? <sighs> And what are the chances? I did all of them. Like, geez. I mean, I mean, he. And who goes it's, hunting at night? First ex- of all, exactly, and it's it's the woods. Like you think you'd be safe. I'd assume serial killers take people to the woods because no one's gonna happen upon anybody. And to Your get to get caught, that woman had to have a guardian angel or something. So, Larry Murphy has maintained that he is not responsible for the disappearances and has been questioned about them several times. To date, there is no solid evidence that Larry Murphy is connected with the cases, unfortunately. And that, I guess, and those are the disappearances in Ireland's Vanishing Triangle. My sources were Wikipedia, an article by Kathleen Donahoe titled Ireland's Missing Persons in the Vanishing Triangle on irishcentral.com, and an article titled Ireland's Vanishing Triangle on ABC News. It's uh, It's got a lot to it. I, I really hope that there's some more evidence that comes out. Right. And I really hope that these families can find peace. All right, well, is there... It's just a lot to think about. Both of these were sad. Yeah. I mean, they're all sad. I guess the takeaway here would be to, uh... Don't I don't think we need a takeaway. I think so. Uh, don't trust... Nope. Uh, maybe teens don't sneak out. That's good advice, I think, right? Always tell someone where you're at. Uh, always carry a cell phone. Because you can be so careful. You can do everything right. 
You can do everything you're supposed to do. And sometimes it just doesn't matter. I mean, one of those girls vanished it, vanished like within 10 feet of her parents' driveway. Like how can you how can you plan if for you that? Outside. You should be able to go to bars by yourself. You should be able You to should be able to walk to your house at night. This is some bullshit. And not get murdered. So, yeah. I don't know. Don't sneak out. Sure, that's good advice, but tell someone where you're going. Walking around by yourself, doing everything right. <laughs> Uh, you can be like me and have a predictable routine. So that way, if I'm not home when Ryan gets home, he's like, "Uh oh, <laughs> but you know, something's something's to be said for being spontaneous and doing fun stuff too. Um, so if you like this podcast and you'd like to send in a story, please go ahead and email us at ucsfpodcast at gmail.com. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at ucsfpodcast. And if you really like what we're doing and you'd like to support us, we do have a Patreon page at UCSF Podcast, and we're going to start posting some some patron-only material, and we'd like your feedback and to know what you guys would like, so please send any suggestions to UCSFpodcast at gmail.com. And hey, shout out, we got our first patron, Sammy, who was on last episode, <laughs> So thank you. A little heart right now with my finger. Heart, yeah, I'll do it too. Thanks, Sammy. Thanks, Sammy. Love you. Uh, I do and... want to say before we go, if you guys haven't caught it yet, this is important to us. Very important. Really, it's important to the families of the victims, and I know at least in my case, even the case I did today, without different volunteer organizations and databases and people getting the word out there that hey, we have these Jane Doe's. We don't know who they are. Like, help identify these people. These cases would never get solved. Yes. So even to have you listening to these unsolved murders, I feel like we're helping a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, helping spread some light. Helping spread, if not awareness about the cases themselves, I think we're helping spread awareness to women especially about, you know, circumstances that other women have gone missing in which unfortunately in our world today it's something that we need to talk about we need to talk about how to be safe right so yeah that was a good ending note yeah until next time goodbye peace uh sayonara uh just go (laughs) okay